Welcome everybody to Letter Now, a podcast where we nurture the hand lettering masters of tomorrow today. My name is Martina Flor. I'm a lettering artist, author, educator, and a podcaster now. And today we are going to talk about money mindset for artists. We'll speak about charging for your work or for the work you love doing. And what do you take into consideration when charging for your work? We will touch on how to context how the context influences your money mindset and pricing as an artist. And we will speak about clients that are not your clients. And we will also touch about overcoming the fear of losing an assignment because of your fees. And for this, I have two amazing artists and muralists here with me, Phoebe and Roxy from Pandern uh, Design Co. Do you call it like this? Mm-hmm. All right, so they create stunning murals and custom art installations, and they have recently become authors of uh, Wonder Walls, a book on how to transform your space with painting or with paint techniques. Uh, I will add a link to uh, pre-ordering your book on the show notes, uh, but before I want to say that um, I'm super happy to have uh, Phoebe and Roxy in my uh, podcast, and I want to say hello to you. And I always ask my, my guests to introduce themselves. So how will you introduce yourself and how will you define the work you do? Well, I'm Roxy. And I'm Phoebe. And together we run Pander Design Co. And we specialize in painting murals. And we've run our business for, this is our sixth year that we're going on. And we have become in love with the business side of it and love, besides our work that we do, we love educating other artists so that other artists can be making money and making six figures doing what they love. That's amazing. So I actually invited you to discuss uh, today's topic because as you just said, I feel that, um, you know, you do beautiful work um, and you you put out there a lot of tools for designers and muralists, but you also speak often about money and this starving artist syndrome that many of us artists have or grew up with. Um, and I would like I would I will add a, fee, a link to um, to your um, social media accounts on the so on the show notes, um, especially the one I think I think the my favorite one is not only Instagram but you have also a TikTok account where you do these videos that are super fun. You should check that out. And <laughs> if you don't if you don't know their work, you can also check out their website. I will add it to the to the show notes. But you know, I feel that it seems that you have some sort of mission with this. Like, um, so you have some sort of mission of changing this artist mindset around money and pricing. And I really wonder what triggered that. Like, um, what was that previous experience of yours um, that hurt or that was like a trauma for you that sort of pushed you to do these kind of videos and to put out there this content that will help other designers, if there was any. Um, but, you know, I often feel that sometimes we feel hurt by a situation or feel touched by a situation, and that triggers us to go in a certain direction with our work or the things we say or the, um, you know, the message we put out there. So what was it, what was the thing for you that made you like go into this direction with um, the things you put out there um, in your content and your work and your videos? Yeah, I think uh, like a lot of people, when we said we wanted to study art, our, or at least my parents and other people were 
just nervous for you. Um, and what are you going to do? So you go into graphic design or architecture because those are the only ones that supposedly make money. It's too risky to be a fine artist. And then it follows you into your career. And, um, you know, you look up on these websites like Glassdoor or something and the, the limit for the salary is, is set and there's no blowing past that. Um, honestly, when I met Roxy, I had never actually even imagined working for, for myself, but she really opened my eyes to what was possible. Um, we both quit our jobs as graphic designers and we didn't know what we were doing in business and it was a struggle. Um, and then when we started working with a business coach, we realized, oh, wow, there is a lot more money to be made. Like we were just saying, you know, we want to quit our full-time jobs and, um, you know, just maybe match our salary. We just want to be happy and do what we love. Yeah. Do what we love. Mm -hmm. And, um, in just in working with our business coach and, and realizing, oh, that is the wrong mindset. If you are going to run your own business, like you're never going to succeed. It's a business. So, um, really having to rewire our brains and, uh, knowing that we didn't have to go to business school. We didn't have to go get an MBA for this. It's really quite attainable. Um, and but, also it didn't matter how good we are as designers or yeah. artists. Like that has nothing to do with how much money you can make, which I think is a big misconception that a lot of artists have is like, oh, I don't have that experience. Or there's so many other people that are better than I am. Like that is irrelevant. That has nothing to do with how much money you can make. It's more about changing your mindset and educating yourself on the business side. So it really was like Phoebe said, like a brain transplant. Like it was <laughs> like we had a new brain put in and suddenly we see the world in color from black and white. Yeah. Know? Yeah, absolutely. And I, and I feel that it's so important what you're saying, because oftentimes it starts with us and not with the context. Like we often, I, I, will, I will read to you some comments that I received on social media that a lot of them have to do with like, well, the market, you know, in my country, there's no market for it, or I feel my clients don't want to pay for it. But um, that sort of puts the power on others, other people, either the, mm -hmm. the context or the country you live in or, you know, Corona pandemic or the clients that don't want to pay for it. And oftentimes it actually starts by yourself, by by understanding how powerful or how how valuable your work is, right? Um, and we will speak about um, um, this as we move down uh, our questions today. As you know, this is a listener-driven show, so we are here to answer questions from the audience. Um, and we will start with some questions that I collected on social media and answering some voice messages. So you that you're listening right now, you can send us your voice memos with questions and comments by simply going to martinaflor.com slash voice message or email your voice memo to podcast at martinaflor.com. Let me first share with you, um, Roxy and Phoebe, some interesting comments on social media around money mindset. Um, these are some of the things that showed up um, that I feel that I can relate to totally as an artist. And I bet many in the audience or uh, those listening right now can relate as well. So one of them, I was asking on social media about like, what are your challenges around um, uh, money um, and your, you know, your biases around uh, your, you know, your money mindset. And for instance, Susie said, I feel I need to constantly justify my prices to, to clients and that's a lot of hustle. Senorita is worried that the work is not good enough to ask uh, money for. Alice tells me that 
family and friends said that she should get a real job. This one broke my heart and you can totally relate to this as yeah. you know, the story that you just said um, is, it has a lot to do with this. But I really want to focus on, um, you know, there's so much to unpack in all the comments that I received, but I really want to focus in, in um, two that came from uh, Libelula and, and Vera. So Libelula says that a lot of potential clients think that what she does, it's a hobby and they shouldn't pay a lot for the work she does. Um, and Vera says that one of her biases around money is that no one will pay her to make art that she loves, right? Um, so I think I want to start here um, because, you know, I want to start with the understanding that because you enjoy doing the work you do, you shouldn't be charging for it or you should charge less for it because you're just, you know, it's just your hobby and you're just enjoying it. Um, and I know from experience that oftentimes when a project comes my way and probably when it comes your way, you will be excited to take on that project, right? Because you think um, this is a potential great work that I can do and this could be an amazing piece in my portfolio. And I feel too many that to many of us that makes us feel that we are you know, we start this negotiation sitting on a vulnerable position, you know, where you are the one that doesn't want to lose the job. You are the one that wants this to happen, right? Um, and we feel like very, yeah, very powerless in this situation, right? Um, and I want to unpack this with you together. So, um, you know, that's the fact that you enjoy um, your work makes you feel more vulnerable about it or when or more you know in a minor position or in a vulnerable position when you uh, start negotiating your fees with clients how do you go about it yeah so liking your job has nothing to do with how much you should be compensated for it and i think that is something that a lot of artists struggle with and that's centered around people saying like oh this is a hobby it comes from a lot deeper than actually loving your work. I think it comes from societal things that you grow up hearing about art and being creative and how so many people hate their jobs. So it feels weird and uncomfortable when you actually like what you're doing. But if you think about the business as a whole, it's not just one single project that you enjoy doing. There's so much work that goes into running a business that is honestly not very enjoyable. There's setting up your business, there's doing taxes, contracts, invoices, and when you think about how much you love the actual design part, I wish that people would consider all the things that they don't like doing that they also have to be paying for with this work. They also have to think about the times that they don't have projects going in and it's a slow period like the holidays, like usually that's a slow period for us. And so we have to consider that throughout the rest of the year. So I think thinking about your business as a whole and not getting excited until you have a contract signed and deposit paid, you have to be okay with walking away until you have those two things. Because as you said, like if you're negotiating coming from a place of, I want to get this job no matter what, mm. you're already lost. You're already not going to be a good salesperson. You're not going to charge what you are worth. Um, so taking a step back and realizing like, if they aren't gonna pay my rates, if they're not gonna treat me with respect, if they're not gonna sign a contract, hmm. I'm out, no matter what, no matter what amazing opportunity, because there are endless cool projects, there are endless cool clients, there are endless amazing opportunities out there. This one single opportunity is not worth compromising your pricing. And we like to say too, Beyonce probably really likes what she does, but her concerts aren't free. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> Absolutely. Um, and I think there's something like super important from what you said. Like um, it happened to me in the very beginning that I would say like, you know, a, a project will come my way with a whatever budget, like a regular budget, the budget that will be okay for me to accept the assignment. And I will be like thinking, okay, how much will it take me to do this assignment? Is this price okay? Okay, let's do it. And then you realize like, oh, a contract is coming in. I have to review the contract. I have to negotiate the contract and like kind of spend hours like negotiating the contract itself, right? And, um, and as you said, like there's a lot of things that go into that administrative work, like negotiating the contract, then after you finish the work, you have to, you know, invoice, um, kind of um, um, get your your uh, your payment. If the payment doesn't come in, you have to, you know, um, kind of chase your clients and stuff. So there's a lot of other work that doesn't that is not so enjoyable, and also needs to be accountable in your pricing. And oftentimes, when we think that. Um, you know, when a client, when yeah, a client or a project is coming in, we think of like that great work that we potentially are gonna do with that client, but there's a lot of um, things that go into that that are are not like what lightens up, like lights me up or whatever. Yeah. Um, so um, I want to move now that. Yeah, I wanted to say something more about this. Um, so I read this, these questions before we, we got on the podcast. And I was also writing things that have to do with, you know, not, a, and I think you touched on this, uh, Phoebe, before that, you know, not all the clients are, um, are your clients, right? Like you, you mentioned that not all the clients speak to you like you like to be, you know, um, you know, like you like to be treated. Um, and there's clients that are, you know, that are not aligned with your values. There's clients that also don't have the budget to pay for you. And those are not your clients. So oftentimes when we go into all this, um, you know, understanding whether, um, whether we can do the assignment, uh, negotiating the pricing, negotiate, negotiating our fees. We first need to ask ourselves questions about like, okay, is this my client? Do I really want to do this job? You know, mm -hmm. is this the person I want to work with? Am I going to be proud of this uh, project or am I going to be, you know, ashamed and not actually put it on my portfolio because it's like... <laughs> Because that happens. It happens <laughs> even with the clients you think are going to be amazing. Yeah, absolutely. So, but I think before you go into the the hustle of like, you know, pricing your work, ma making the offer to the client, doing all this administrative work, like negotiating contracts and stuff, um, you first need to like understand it, whether that that you're, that's your client or not. Um, so, to Vera and Libelulat, who were you know sending this um, these comments on social media. Um, I want to recommend you an exercise that I that I do with my agents, especially when when I have like an assignment coming in and you know it doesn't go through or we decline it because or they decline it because our um, offer or our budget is too high. Um, I say to my client, like I say to my agent, like, hey, well, they missed the chance, you know, to work with us, and he will always reply like, of course they did, you know, and that that makes you like feel like, okay, I'm I'm in charge of it of this, right? I'm not the only one, um, you know, they're also losing an opportunity of working with a great artist. And um, you should celebrate that, right? 
So we can move now to uh, the next voice message that is from Laura from Spain. Hi, I'm Laura from Spain and I wanted to ask, are there any top things that you would say are the most important to take into consideration when charging for your work? I love that Laura was going like straight to the bone, <laughs> you know, tell me the, you know, the things that I need to have into consideration for pricing. Um, tell me the details like, um, and, you know, I know that many of our listeners might be wondering how to do it or wondering if they are doing it the right way. Um, and before we get into um, a few strategies here, and perhaps we can just go through like a list of stuff that they you know, that Laura and our listeners can have into consideration when it comes to pricing. Um, I would like to reiterate what, what we just mentioned before, that before you go into all this pricing thing, um, that you ask yourself, like, do I want to take this job? Does this client align with my values? Um, is this something I would like to do and that I would, I, I would enjoy doing? Uh, are they respectful? All these things are super important before you get into this, right? But perhaps Roxy and Phoebe, you can help me here with um, like kind of, you know, try, trying to like give Laura like a list of things they could have into consideration. How, how do you go about when a client approaches, approaches you with, um, with a project? How do you start and you understood or you decided that this is a client for you or this is a client you want to work with how do you go about um yeah pricing the project where do you start well, and how do you like yeah. what are your steps well first off i just want to let every artist and designer know there is no such thing as overcharging <laughs> for some reason people are like i don't know if i'm charging too much too little there's no such thing as charging too much. Whatever you're going to charge or whatever you're thinking of charging, I guarantee there's someone who has paid more, has charged more. So get that out of your brain. That's not a thing. There's no such thing as that. Stop worrying about that because that's not real. That's in your head. And then Phoebe can tell you how we price. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, there's um, a lot of different factors for us, for murals. We've we figured it out, it's pretty cut and dry. So it comes down to square footage and complexity. So for us, it's typically $40 to 50 US dollars a square foot um, based on how complex the client is looking to have. So we'll put together mood boards alongside of our estimate to show examples of what simple looks like and what complex looks like. Mm. Um, we have a minimum of $3,000 for any project. We don't go below that. Mm. Um, we also will add dollar signs onto the estimate if it's a really, really tight timeline. If the wall is going to be really like a scary texture, um, so that takes us longer to paint. If uh, we have to rent equipment, if we have to travel, um, adding money on for that. And then um, it's, I mean, it's pretty similar with, with branding or other design work. We, we always try to offer people options because that way it's not just like yes or no. Do you want to work with me? It's which option would you like? So, um, you know, two or three different brackets. So for branding, um, you know, if maybe it's $3,000, dollars $7,000 and the $3,000 package is just like the bare bones. Um, the $5,000 package is something in between 
And then 7,000 is like the deluxe so that you put everything into yeah. that. You make that the most desirable package because that's what yeah. you want to sell. Yeah. So it's just, it's important for any project to just have your minimum set. Um, as we said, we don't go below $3,000 for anything just because we talked about all those annoying administration um, tasks that we have to do, administrative tasks. So, you know, uh, it, yeah, you just, you can't go below a certain amount. Also, like if there's two of us, there's taxes, all these things, like, you know, you don't want to be working for just like, for us, like we're doing something for $500 wouldn't be worth it. Right. But the pricing has to be really dialed before the client even reaches out to you. Like if someone asks you what you charge for branding, you should know that off the bat, like it starts at this, like mm. have your base pricing ready to go. Mm -hmm. Because I think a lot of times artists have no idea what to charge and they wait and wait and wait and procrastinate responding. And then by the time they respond, they're like, oh, sorry, we already hired Panda Design Co to do mm. this because they were on top of it mm -hmm. and professional and they gave me numbers right away. So um, don't wait, have your pricing figured out. And like everybody works differently, everyone prices differently. So you just need to understand how you work and really figure out what you need to be making to be profitable in your business. Yeah, and then another thing we'd add is um, we were talking about clients that we don't necessarily want to work with, um, you can add an FU fee on top of it. So if they sound like they're gonna be totally crazy and micromanagey and you probably don't wanna do it or the timeline's really tight, add a bunch of dollar signs on there because- I guarantee there's a price that yeah, you would do this You would do, for. what would you do it for to make it worth it? And then, you know, if that might just, you know, get rid of them and then they say, you know what, too much. Or if they do say yes, you're like, holy shit, wow, I just got a, a, a big, you know- $75,000 yeah, project, project or something. Yeah, amazing. I love this crazy client fee that you just add on top of it and actually yeah I had a, an experience recently like I, I think last year um actually with the studio we have come we have become now independent from client work so we don't really depend on that income to sustain ourselves and um you know I it was a very busy time of the year and I had an inquiry coming in and I thought like okay we could do it. It would be a little bit of a hassle. Um, so I would just price it very high. If they say yes, then that's going to be great for the studio. We'll just go dinner or whatever and a lot of other things. <laughs> but if it doesn't come in, then it's fine. And that's such a great, you know, I think this goes back to what you just said, like with what you said in the beginning. This goes back to like, you know, how confident you are when you're not afraid of losing the job, you are actually, you know, charging properly for that uh, job. And, um, or it makes you, it puts you in a position where you are confident and you can actually state your fees without like feeling vulnerable or being afraid of losing that job, right? Um, mm -hmm. So you mentioned, and I think you're, your your discipline is kind of special because you have you know you you ha you mentioned this square feet uh, fee, so but you mentioned things that are, can be actually very uh, universal that has to have to do with complexity. Um, so how complex that work is, how, you know how much detail you need to put into it, how much time it's gonna take you actually. Mm -hmm. um, the I think the minimum is also like super important to understand that a hey, for less than this money I would not just you know, um, review your, your contract and just, you know, send emails back and forth with you. It's just, I don't have the time for that, for that money. Um, 
The other thing is the timeline. Yeah, how, how realistic the timeline is, right? Um, so right. you mentioned equipment. Like if you need to like travel or buy a new equipment or um, hire assistants, right? Um, and I think it is so uh, clever to have these packages because um, actually I often hear from um from uh, freelancers like I work a lot with freelancers like in, in my coaching program and I often hear from freelancers that um, you know they feel the need to kind of create custom pricing for every single project right that you know every project is different every project is custom um, and they sort of have to you know they they don't have a real package to offer clients. So when a client, as you said, like when, when a client inquiry comes in, they're just like, well, I don't know. I ask you this question, then you come back. And then in this process of like being undecided and being unclear about how much you would charge for that, um, the project goes away. And sometimes mm -hmm. it could go down to a package, but sometimes it can also go down. Or personally, what I do is that sometimes I have, I have a range so I can, you know, in the first email or the first communication with that client, I can say like, well, a project like this could be between this and that, right? And this way you also, you also make the client understand whether they are able to afford that range or somewhere right. in between, or they are just like way out of your fees. And then it's like a win-win situation. You're not losing time. They're not losing time with you and you're not losing time um, with them. Um, so we, we went through for Laura. I'm just trying to answer Laura's question here. Complexity, um, the timeline, the equipment, the pack, you know, this idea of like having some um, packages or ranges that you can communicate to your clients have this crazy client uh, fee i love that um you can also think of or what i can think of at least in in the kind of work i do is i would normally think of the scope of the project you know normally i would do something um well in your case it's like a physical artwork so it's on a mm -hmm. wall um but in my case i would create perhaps a digital um, product and that you know that illustration will be used in a in an advertising campaign so what I often say is like I try to understand how how big that campaign is right if they're mm -hmm. you know besides paying for my artwork they are also paying for um, media spots and billboards on the streets and you know like it will be in Times Square like you know right there right so I understand how much the investment is the client is doing right. and how much what's the role of my artwork in that um in that game right right so yeah and so and also how big the company itself is like we're going to charge a mom and pop differently than we are a multi-billion dollar corporation absolutely and and perhaps you can you can um explain why is that why a client yeah. that is like a bigger client or uh, should pay more the, than a local client or small client, right? Yeah, so it has to do with the reach of the artwork. So if mm. you're doing a project for a t-shirt shop in your town, they're not going, it's not going to be global, national, whatever. If you're selling a t-shirt design to Target, it could be the exact same project, the exact same time for you to design it. But with Target, 
say it's going to be in a thousand stores nationwide. They're going to be doing commercials. Your artwork is going to be seen by so many more people. It's going so much farther that it you need to charge for that. With a local t-shirt shop, they might sell 110, 20, 30 t-shirts, whereas Target could sell 20,000 t-shirts. So you got to keep that in mind is how far it goes. And that adds to the value of what you're creating. Absolutely. It's kind of like the exposure of your artwork, right? So mm -hmm. Laura, I want to send you a copy of my book. It's this one right here. I'm showing that to those watching on YouTube. Um, hey, so, so this is uh, my book, The Big Leap, and it's a guide to freelancing for creatives. Um, you know, there's uh, actually an entire chapter about this, which you know, we'll give you, I think we'll give you like a scope or like a list of the things you can have into account, you know, besides the things that Phoebe and Roxy just recommended. Uh, but there's also another frameworks that have to do with, you know, charging by the hour and charging um, on a project basis or value pricing um, is also called. So I hope it's as useful for you. If you, I think you said you were from Spain, Laura, if you want, I can send you the Spanish version Portuguese, German version, um, whatever you want. So I'm gonna send that to you. Um, so let's move on to our next segment, which is our inspirational quote segment. Um, as you know, we all love quotes, especially uh, lettering artists love quotes so that they can you know, letter them. And in this section, we do our best to answer questions from our listeners with a quote. So this is a little bit of a challenge. Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so we later put these quotes on our show notes so that listeners can letter them and share them on social media. So, you know, you should know that actually what we do here is that we talk, you know, we ramble around <laughs> for a while. And uh, if, if we happen to find a quote, we would just put it together, make it look nice and add it to the show notes. So don't worry if you don't get like a, you know, a quote right out of the hat or I don't know. Um, so let's start with the first question from Alex. So Alex is saying, in my, in my country, in my, in my country, oh my God, in my country, the design illustration culture isn't that great. So it's a challenge to charge fairly. What would you recommend here? So I, I told you before that I actually had a few of these coming, coming in through social media. So Alex, you should know that you're not alone on this. Um, and I understand, you know, that the cost of life changes across countries and that, of course, that has an impact on the rates for design and art in general. But I think that what Alex is actually asking here is more related to the feeling that there's no market for what he or she does and therefore, therefore is forced to lower the fees. And I wrote a quote for you, Alex. I was reading those uh, comments before and I, I wrote this quote, quote for you. Assigning value to your work starts with yourself. And I said this because this puts the power in your hands and I believe that that puts you in a much better position. If you start by appreciating what you do, you will gain confidence in your work. And, um, you know, if you gain confidence in your work, you will start charging more fairly for your work. If you start charging uh, fairly for your work, you will start appreciating uh, what you do uh, and so on. You know, this is like a circle. So when you understand how valuable your work is, you will start, you know, that will sort of reflect or, um, 
yeah, it will be shown in the pricing and your confidence at pricing your work, right? Um, th those are the kind of subtle um, but strong mindset, mindset shifts that we need to have as artists. I think you were talking about this, Phoebe, in the beginning, that, you know, once you shift that mindset, everything changes. Like, it's just, it's just in you, right? So um, that's why I want to encourage Alex to actually start by himself or herself um, and you know that will um, manifest in a lot of other things right um, what would you say to Alex feeling that the market is just not ready for higher fees I don't know if I can form a quote for this but we would say what's stopping you from working outside of your country um, what's limiting you to that specific area and to start doing outreach. We're all about introducing yourself to clients and doing cold emails, cold DMs on Instagram to introduce yourself and get the work to be progressive or to go after it versus waiting for the work to come to you and only getting the clients that are, continue to tell you that you're too expensive. Mm -hmm. There's always gonna be people that say any anything like a coffee, a computer, there's going to be people that say that's too expensive, no matter mm. what the price, no matter what the item, there's always going to be people that say it's too expensive. There's also going to be people that say that's fair and I will pay that. And there's also people that are going to say I would have paid more there mm. for the exact same thing. So it does, as you said, it starts with you. You have to be non-negotiable on your pricing and your value and go after the clients that can't afford you because I mean, we have people all the time telling us people in my city, my state, my country won't pay for that. And yes, you can go elsewhere. Also, I guarantee you haven't reached out to every single person, every single business mm -hmm. in your city, state or country. So that's just your fear talking that no one will be able to afford you. You can't assume that every single person doesn't value it and just work on showing the value of it. Like, when people go to our website, the way that we communicate, the way our captions on Instagram, people know we're not cheap from our presentations, from the way we communicate, from our whole process. They know we're not cheap because of how professional we are. So work on just upping your professionalism, adding value to your work, and the clients will come, but you also have to go after them yourself. Mm -hmm. Majority of our work in the beginning was outreach. So um, now as we've been in business longer and longer, it's kind of shifted and we don't have to do as much outreach, but certainly in the beginning, um, you need to introduce yourself to those clients that are willing to pay and understand the value. That's amazing. And, 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 and I think that's so, I think that's so relieving or freeing for many of those listening, because I think, um, you know, many of the people we see on social media that are, you know, are there for a while or are doing lettering and are doing whatever they do for a while, like you um, girls, like I do. Um, I think that many feel that we never been there, like reaching out to clients and trying to get those jobs. Right. And actually, you know, it starts with you. Like it starts with you, like putting yourself out there, um, connecting with those potential clients, actually uh, starting conversations. There is some hustle in the beginning in that sense that you need to actually get noticed, right? And um, I think it's so refreshing that you um, that you mentioned that that um, our listeners also see that hey, Phoebe and Roxy 
also reach out to clients, right? <laughs> I love that. Um, so I have a second question here from Eleanor. She says that um, I'm afraid that if I charge too much for my work, I might lose the job. How do you go about this? Actually, we've been speaking um, about this before, right? So Eleanor, I wrote a question for you. If you charge too much, you might lose the job. If you charge too few, you might be out of business. <laughs> so, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, losing jobs is just, you know, part of life. And perhaps it, it even makes space for other things, right? Um, and that doesn't mean that, you know, you're a loser or that you're, you're not good at what you do or that you're not successful. Um, I actually personally think that declining jobs because of the budget or because I simply don't want to make them actually make space for those that I really want to take on, right? Absolutely. So what, what about you, uh, Roxy, Phoebe? What would you say to Eleanor or how do you go about this? If everyone is saying yes to your prices, your prices are too low. Mm -hmm. And if you're dependent on a job that you don't even have to survive your business is not doing well and you need to rethink a lot mm -hmm. of what you're doing you should be able to have that room to say no to clients or jobs that are not right you shouldn't be coming from a place of desperation like i need this job i don't know how i'm going to pay my rent well you need to figure out your pricing and learn more about running a business or sales because like it's all a numbers game the more estimates you send out the more jobs you will get but also it's normal and uh, okay for jobs to not go through and you can't have your business be dependent on this one project going through. That's so good. Actually, my coach says that, you know, if you lower your prices, you have to serve a lot more people and probably you will be burned out. Now, if you yeah. higher your prices, you just need to convince those few people and just focus on working for them. Right. And that's mm -hmm. much more healthy for you. Um, well, for you, basically. And that's, you know, you're you are your business in a way and you should be like the first thing you should take care of, right? Um, so that's also like a little bit of a mind shift, like, you know, perhaps hiring your prices, actually, you actually need to convince less or a fewer amount of people to hire your services that when you are having like lower prices and you have to serve a huge amount of people, right? Yeah. And you, yeah, you might be doing like um, less money from that as well. So um, that's great. I think we have a last comment from, um, yeah, this one is from Sol and is a comment from one of our listeners. We can play it. A recommendation that I would like to share with those uh, just starting out. A strategy that I have done at the beginning of my career was that when a friend or a relative asked me for a logo for their new business or help for their music band, for the design of the music brand, and they didn't um, have a budget, I will send them a formal proposal with the price for the work and add a sentence there where I indicated that this time I was not charging for the project or I was charging just a few beers and that was my investment for the future. If they were doing well and they needed more design services in the future, then they will promise to hire me and pay me the next time. In this way, you let the other person, a friend or your relative, knows the value that your work has and you build a relationship 
with a potential client. I hope this helps uh, to the beginners out there. Bye. I love that. Finally charging friends and family. This is the like the designer's dream, right? But I love that that work frame sort of to, um, you know, the for friends and family could work. Like the first one is for free. The second one, not. Um, so um, we are moving on to the next segment, which is we are, we are cl coming closer to the end. Um, this is our better now segment where we just share something that we are happy about or something that changed our lives lately and that might, you know, might help our listeners. Um, could be something really silly or something super transcendental. Uh, so do you have something that, you know, you're currently happy about the project or, you know, something you have changed in your life that actually lightens you up? Ooh, um, yeah, there's so much to be excited about. Um, one thing that we're really excited about is our book coming out, um, Wonderwalls, which you had mentioned in the beginning. It's now available for pre-order on Amazon, Barnes & Noble, and IndieBound. And we've been working on this book for three years, and we had a goal of having our own book. And before we got reached out to by this publisher, we got reached out to by another publisher for a very, very, very shitty deal that we were like, gosh, but it's the opportunity to make a book. Like, should we just take it? If we would have said yes to that really horrible deal, we would have been under contract and not been able to get this amazing book deal, which came in very shortly after that one. So just say yet yeah, like yes to yourself, yes to your prices and mm. don't, don't go under your prices. If a not so good deal comes along and you're tempted to take it, say no, Something better will come along. Amazing. I love that. I just uh, I just want to share that I just got my uh, first doses for the corona vaccine. Um, yeah, it's not that many things will change for me. I still need to use a mask and, you know, um, have a test when I travel, or when I go to a restaurant or whatever. But it just feels good that I can protect my children and other people that cannot take the vaccine, right? So I'm celebrating that today with you. Um, hey. It was such an honor to have you uh, here, Phoebe and Roxy. Um, where can people find you? So we have a hundred different places, <laughs> but um, between the two of us, we have three Instagrams. So Roxy Prima, Phoebe Cornog, and Panda Design Co. is our combined Instagram for our business. And then we both have individual TikToks as well, which you mentioned earlier. We have we go a little bit more crazy on the TikToks than Instagram. Um, so again, Phoebe Cornog and Roxy Prima. And then we also run a nonprofit called Ladies Who Paint. And that is an Instagram account where we feature female muralists. Yeah. And if anyone has any other questions for us, we do go live on Panda Design Co. Right. Like three to five days a week <laughs> answering questions. So if you have more, come on in and we'll answer any more questions about money. That's amazing. Can you can you tell a little bit more about uh, women uh, who paint? Yes. Yeah. Ladies Who Paint is our 501c3 nonprofit. And um, we're having our second mural festival in October of this year, October 1st through the 17th. This year, it's just going to be local to San Diego due to the pandemic and trying to avoid travel. Um, but yeah, installing at least minimum of 10 new murals and throughout San Diego. That's amazing. I'm, I'm going to add this also to the show notes, okay? 
Awesome. Yeah, thank you. Great. It was great having you. Uh, you can yeah, also. Yeah, uh, so you can also find me, the host of this show, um, on social networks at Martina Flor, Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. If you have questions or comments, go to martinaflor.com slash podcast, where you can see previous episodes, find show notes, and send voice memos with your comments and questions. You can comment on the things we spoke about in this episode, um, and we will play it, play it on the next episode, like we did two days with uh, Saul comment. Um, you can also find these episodes and comment on my YouTube channel, just go to martinaflor.com slash YouTube um, to find those episodes. And you can also listen to the episodes on your favorite podcast platform. Um, this is it for today. If you love this episode, you can subscribe to this podcast. And if you leave us a review, it will help others find us. Um, thank you all for listening. Thank you, Phoebe and Roxy for being there and see you in the next episode of Letter Now. 